Man, so I just recorded for like 15 minutes and this stuff ain't even recorded. I should be mad. My name is Jasmine and this is my journal. So today is a double episode day. It's a special day because it's my mommy's birthday. And for those who don't know, my mom passed away from cancer back in 2018. So let me get started again for the second time. My mom, Willie Mae Bell, she, Bell Tennyson, let me get that right because she remarried. And I love my dad. I want to make him upset. But she was born Willie Mae Fowler, Bronx, New York. She was born in Bronx. I think they lived in Jamaica, Queens for a while, but sometime they ended up back in Bronx. That's where my grandmother lived for many years. Bronxdale Projects for all you New Yorkers or Brooklyn Boulevard. I think my uncle still lives there to this day. Um, She was one of six children. Um, She had, um, let me see, three sisters, one who passed, and two brothers. Um, her sister Beverly that passed away at the age of seven, she was, her life was, she was murdered basically. Um, she was my first mediumship experience. Um, she was the first shadow that I saw on the wall and she became a catalyst for my development. Like she would bring other family members in, stuff of that nature. My mother, um, my mother was loved by a lot of people. Um, she she was very creative and crafty. Like, my mom knew how to sew, knit. She knew how to draw. She knew how to, she used to paint ceramics. She used to have a business called Jazz Arts and Ceramics. And she would go to, like, they didn't call them pop-ups back then. But she would go to flea markets and sell her ceramics. And people would buy them up. She was just that good. Um, one of the hardest things to paint on ceramics are eyes. And my mom, she had a knack for detail when it comes to the eyes. And people loved it. People loved her. Um, she always had activities for us to do. She always spent time with us. She didn't work often. And when she worked, she worked third shift. But most of the time, she stayed at home with us. Something I very much envy. Because I don't get to stay home with my children often because I work a lot. But she didn't. My dad worked. And he took care of the family. You know, and she did what she had to do, too. I ain't going to talk about some of her little hustles. I may. But my mom, she was just an excellent multitasker. She was a great, great cook. I did not learn how to cook from her. I actually learned because I was I was a tomboy. So I was busy, too busy outside playing tackle football with the boys and running around with my brothers and, you know, playing Barbies versus G.I. Joe's. That was our game. It was like war. You know, or ride my bike somewhere. So I didn't really, she ain't make me sit in the kitchen with her. But when I did start cooking, which was when I got into my relationship with um, Kareem, um, he kind of forced me in the kitchen. He already knew how to cook. So he taught me a lot. But cooking became natural to me. And I learned that a lot of my cooking habits they're just they're just natural but then I when I spoke to my aunt I realized she cooks very much the same way my mother cooked the same way so cooking in our family was just kind of it's natural so I'm naturally a good cook like my mom was naturally a good cook one talent I did not pick up that her and her sisters have is they can make desserts you have to have a special hand to make desserts your dessert hand not just everybody can make a cake, but to make a cake and make it good 
or to make things like macaroons or whatever you call it and little desserts like that and pastries and souffles. You got to be good at that. And my mom, my Aunt Pat, they are good at that. And my mom could make the hell out of some desserts. You know, um, what was her specialty meal? I don't know. Shit, everything she made was good. My favorite of hers was the mac and cheese. I used to love her mac and cheese. It's funny because I don't eat mac and cheese as much anymore because it's so fattening and I'm trying to lose weight. But mac and cheese is one of my favorite meals. And for people, people love for me to cook mac and cheese and they love my meatloaf too. I make a special meatloaf. If I love y'all, I'll make you some. <laughs> if if I like you, if you a dude and I make meatloaf for you, I like you. If I make my meatloaf for you with my cornbread, I like it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, baby. But anyhow, my mom, she had a beautiful voice. She used to sing a lot. She used to sing like she was in an opera sometime, too. I hated that shit. But she had a very beautiful voice. That was not passed down. Look, when God was giving out gifts, he didn't give me that. I guess he was like, nah, I ain't going to give you no artistic. You just going to see dead people because I can't do none of that. Um, I can write, though. I do like to write. I was very good in English and writing and writing short stories. I've had poems published before. I am a poet. But that's about all I got. You know, my daughters, they have, my daughters are reflections of my mother. Like, they're very artsy. They're very crafty. But, you know, they spent a lot of time with her, too. More time than I did. Because I worked. And um, she taught them how to do a lot of the things that she did, like drawing and making things and painting and my six-year-old has a beautiful voice my 20-year-old daughter she sings too but my six-year-old she got the voice she got she got all the talent that child she could dance sing rap she can even freestyle I mean she see dead people she a medium that kid is just I, I just think she's a superstar in the making that's just her personality you know and she's probably out of all my kids with gifts she's the strongest um my mom was a very special character. Our house was the houses. If you ran away from home or if you ain't had nowhere to live, you came to stay with Miss Willa. Our house, it was always somebody living with us. It was always in chaos. You know, very much like I tried not to be my mother, but I become her. And then I got a clean house. Like right now, I just had to move my nephew and my brother out. And then my stepson was staying here, but he got his own apartment. But it's like, it's always somebody kind of like sliding up in here and I got to slide them on out. You know, um, our house was always in chaos. It was always a mess growing up as kids. Yeah, my house be a mess sometimes too now. It ain't nearly as bad because I be, I don't be fucking kids up, but I cuss their ass out there on clean up. You know, my mom, she didn't care. She was just like, look, y'all just do what y'all do. So <laughs> you came over our house as kids. It was always something on the floor. It was always toys on the floor. It was always dishes in the sink. It was always something, you know. Um, I'm a little bit, I'm a lot more put together than I was as a kid. But, you know, that took some, that was being in a relationship with Kareem kind of molded me. That's what happens when you date, when you a girl and you date men older than you. They kind of mold you differently. You know what I mean? For good or for bad, because he taught me a lot of jacked up ways too. But anyhow, my mom, mom was very emotional. She cried a lot. She cried the drop of a hat. Um, she was very loving. She was very attentive. Like she loved my dad. I mean, she got up. She ironed his clothes for work every week. She made sure he had dinner when he got home. I think when she started getting sick, it kind of slowed down. But she was very 
uh, domestic. And the crazy thing is she did not raise me to be that way. So I think a part of her felt stuck, even though she loved my dad very much. I think she felt stuck because, you know, the way she raised me, like, always have your own money. Go to college, get you a degree. Always be independent and don't never get a house with somebody that you can't afford to pay for yourself. And she always told me, always, if you move in with somebody and you move in a house, always have your own money set aside just in case they kick you out. You got somewhere to go. So my mom, she did teach me how to be independent. That was her biggest thing. That was her biggest teacher with me. Go to school, get a degree, pick a field where you'll always have work. So when I told her that I was going to nursing school, she was she was floored. She was excited. Like, okay, you good. And I did take care of her in return. Um, but I always wanted, she did want me to go to medical school because I was very smart. But, you know, shit happens like life, kids. I had kids very young, so I couldn't do that. My mom had uh, several degrees. She had a degree in accounting. She had other degrees that she never used. I used to call her a career student. She used to just go to school. She was always in school for something. Um, I just loved her, and everybody loved her. And she was so funny, and she'll have you laughing. <laughs> she'll play jokes. She taught all my kids how to fight from babies. You know, she would um, hit them, like pop them a little bit. Not hard, no abuse or nothing. And she'll make them hit her back. And she'll be like, put your fist up. She'll teach them how to, teach them how to defend themselves. Um, my mom was the type of person you can call at any time. You can call her at like 3 o'clock in the morning and be like, Miss Willa, I'm stuck. She'll get up and come get you. She ain't sleep at night, no way. She slept during the day while we was in school, but she stayed up most nights. And she'll be on the phone with her friends or they'll be, she did all her grocery shopping at night while everybody was asleep. They'll go to... In Cincinnati, we used to have a store called Biggs. And that back then, Kroger's used to be open 24 hours. So they'll go to Kroger's or Biggs. When, them, when they started building the Walmarts, she would go to Walmart at night. But, you know, Walmart wasn't always around as a kid. That, that's like newer. And that's funny because all my kids know. But, you know, around school time, she put her she, she used to get a layaway before school at JCPenney. I don't know if y'all know about the JCPenney layaway. You know, we didn't have a lot but we had each other and my mom made sure that she was she was the glue and ever since she passed like I don't see my brothers nearly as much I think I talked to my brother James the most who's right over me and my brother Anthony was staying with me for a while but he had to go and um I did ask her blessing in spirit before I busted my move but you know she was just she was just a good person and she gave the best hugs you can go lay on her bosoms you know, lay on her, lay. I used to lay on her chest and go to sleep. Uh, we used to play pranks on her because when she was sleep, she would sleep with her mouth open and she would snore loud. So we would push it in her mouth and she would chew. We was just crazy. We was crazy kids, but she ain't. She was a good mom. She never really whooped us. She did beat me up one time because I said some jacked up stuff to my brother. But that's another story for another day. She she fucked me up that day. I couldn't go to school for like two days, but. Look, y'all, back then it wasn't uncommon for your parent to jack you up. You know, she got me. But we didn't get many whoopings either. Um, she was just this ray of sunshine. She always had a way of making things feel better. I mean, if you fell outside, you called Miss Willa. Like, she just knew how to make it feel better. You know, even if you got stuck. I mean, she would cuss you out all the way to picking you up. She'll cuss you out going home, but she'll make sure you're safe. You know, um... My mother did have another side to her. She was very depressed, and a lot of people didn't see that. 
we saw it. So she would cry a lot. Um, you know, her and my dad, they had their hard times. Um, so she would cry a lot. She had a lot of depression. Her per- depression did get worse towards the end. Um, towards the end. Um, she put on a lot more weight because she was depressed. She would um, eat. So um, she did let go. She just kind of gave up. You know, she stopped doing things that she liked to do. Um, she did keep couponing, though. My mother was couponing when couponing wasn't popular. I'm talking about back in the 80s where, in 90s, where you get, they used to get the triple and double coupon days where you can go to stores on certain days. And she would have us all standing in line with our coupons and cash because you can, you're only up to a certain amount of coupons and a certain amount of ads. And we'll stand in line and we'll each buy stuff with our coupons and we'll pay separately. Like she was a queen of that. A story I always tell was one time we were at the store and the everything came up to like $216. And they gave her like, it was like $200. They gave her $16 back. She paid nothing. And because of that, like my mom, if you needed household supplies or shampoos or body washes or food or like non-perishables, my mom's house was the place to go. She had a pantry where she kept all her stuff at and then she had a back room full of shelves and she had I mean all types of laundry detergents and stuff when she died I didn't have to buy laundry detergent for over two years I didn't have to buy soap body wash hand soap nothing for over two years that's how much stuff she had um after she passed away we found and the weird thing is so my mom I remember when she ended up in the hospital. And the funny thing is I had a joke about it. I had caught off of work and lied. I'll never forget that. I had caught off of work and lied because I wanted to go to Columbus with my friend Tish. And I said, you know, my mom's in the hospital, right? And I lied to get off of work. I hope ain't nobody from my job listening to this, but this was years ago. And I went to Columbus with my friend Tish to hang out. And I remember Tish yelling at me, like, don't you ever lie like that. You could make some, like, you could, you could wish bad on your mama. Don't you ever do that. Well, that night, my mom ended up in the hospital with pneumonia. Um, it was not uncommon for her to be in the hospital with pneumonia, but she ended up in ICU this time, which was not uncommon either because my mother was a longtime smoker. So she always had respiratory infections. So even though she had quit smoking cigarettes like four or five years prior, she she still had issues of the lungs. Um, for those who out there that smoke cigarettes, quit because I'm telling you, your lungs take a beating and sometimes it takes years for your lungs to heal. And my mom always had issues with her lungs all the way up to her death. She was in the hospital with pneumonia and they drew blood. And since she was in ICU, she ended up discharging to a rehab unit to do rehab, which was my job, of course. This would have been a second run at my job. Um, I managed a 45 bed uh, rehab unit. We had maybe 14 rehab beds, but the rest of my floor was long term and I knew that I would be able to watch her better and see her if she came to my work and my rehab department already knew her and they took care of my mama. One of the best, most of them are gone now, but, um, shout out to the rehab department at my job. Um, they were great. They took care of my mom while we waited for her test results to come back. And I remember going to see her and by then, I knew my gifts, and I already knew, like, how to see. And I looked at her aura, and her aura, she was sleep. Her aura was like this 
ashy gray. It was real murky. It was real ashy. It was faded. And in my heart, I was like, something's wrong. So I took a picture of it and I sent it to my mentor, Indigo. And I'm like, Indigo, something's wrong. I said, her aura does not look right. I have a feeling that this is the beginning of the end. I was emotional. I was upset. Um, Indigo, she confirmed like, yeah, her aura is a bit faded, but that doesn't necessarily mean that this is the end, but I can see why you could feel that. Well, about it took about 10 days for her results to come in. And when they came in, they were not good. Um, they found cancer. It was in the beginning stages of it, but we were very hopeful. So we made an appointment to go see an oncologist. And when we went to see the oncologist, wait, the doctor at my job, who was very good, he already told me, he said, you know, your mom's stuff, it doesn't look good. And he said, you know, you might not get some good news when you go to the oncologist. So I was prepared. So when I took her, the oncologist was like, you have this type of cancer. She had acute myelitic leukemia. He said, uh, and I'm going to try to tell the story without getting emotional. But he said that it was, it spreads extremely fast, but it was very treatable. He said, it's one of the most treatable cancers. He said, I could just admit you for like two weeks and dump you with chemo. But there was a but. He was like, your heart is bad. Your lungs are bad. Your kidneys are bad. You're obese. You have all these issues. He said, the chemo is going to kill you. He said, so either A, we can put you on hospice and keep you comfortable. Or B, we can um, do a slow chemo that might prolong your life. But either way it goes, it's inevitable. And I could probably prolong your life about seven or eight months. And then he, we asked about the side effects of the chemo and he broke down the side effects of it. And I remember my mom, the person that we always went through when we needed help, the person that always came to pick you up when you needed to be saved. The person that always comforted you, she looked at me for comfort. And she was just like, Jasmine, what do I do? And I just looked at her and I was just like, let's go home. Because I knew she was already barely walking. My mom was 398 pounds. She wasn't walking. She was wheelchair bound most of the time. She could walk, but she walked with a walker and it was extremely hard. So I knew chemo would make her sick. So I knew like we weren't going to be able to really get her back and forth to chemo. You know, I just knew that I knew in my heart that the chemo was going to make her sicker. But I left the decision up to her. Um, she decided to come home and move in with me. She was very funny about it because my mom, I got on her nerve. You know, it was just a nurse in me. Um, sorry, I'm getting adjusted. My back hurts, but I got on her nerves. And um, she came, she moved in my house with me. And, you know, I would get calls that, you know, she was on the floor because she done got herself on the floor. That four months that she lived with me was difficult. December, January, March, April. Yeah, those were difficult months. Um, We fought a lot in the beginning. Well, she fought with me. I wasn't shit. She couldn't stand me. She actually packed her stuff and went home for one day and apologized and came back. <laughs> I had a hospital bed put in my house. She had her own recliner. I found, I bought a recliner for my job, a used recliner that she could sleep in because I knew she couldn't breathe. And she would often sleep sitting up. So I would bathe her every day. 
just about um, her best friend um, who has now become like a grandmother and caregiver to my children. She stayed with me. Um, the home health company that I work for hired her daughter to come in and give care. So I had great support. And um, after about a month, I realized she had stopped eating. She wouldn't eat as much, but then she would call people and tell people I wasn't feeding her. <laughs> Funny. And I would get cussed out left and right. But um, she had stopped eating. You know, she would have people bring her food. And she would take a bite. And she would um, send it away. And um, I seen her go from roughly 400 pounds to probably less than 300 pounds in four months. She lost a lot of weight. About maybe a week before she passed away, she went unresponsive for like a whole day. I had called family. I told family to come in. I think she's getting ready to go. <laughs> I'm like, she about to die. It's time. So I had family come in and... um. Sorry, I got disconnected, but I had family come in and um, see her. She was out for like, maybe it was more than a day. It was like three days, unresponsive. She even had the breathing. Like if you work hospice, you know that breathing. And one day she just woke up <laughs> and I said, mom, what you doing? And she was like, you see how them rabbits in the backyard? One nothing in the backyard. I said, what they doing? She was like, oh, they fucking. She said, somebody about to get pregnant. Where Destiny at? She said, Destiny going to have a baby. My daughter did, in fact, get pregnant um, right after my mom passed away. And she had my grandson in uh, 2019. So she did predict that. She called my dad a stingy-ass leprechaun. I said, um, Dad's going to come over and see you because you haven't. We thought you were going to die. And she like, well, I am going to die, but tell that damn leprechaun. <laughs> so she just, she was very confused at the end. So I had scheduled to go to a spiritual retreat and um, I didn't want to leave her. I, I didn't because she had started showing signs that she had pneumonia. She was coughing up blood. So I was like, well, it's either her congestive heart failure or she's got pneumonia. And um, she begged me to go. She said, Jazz, you're exhausted, which I was. She said, if you don't go to this spiritual retreat, I will never forgive you. I want you to go. I felt so bad, but later on, she did tell her brother, my brother, she told my brother James that she sent me away because she knew that I would take her death the hardest. Um, she knew she was going to go, basically. So I gave her a kiss and told her that I would call her nurse the next morning, got in the car, fell asleep in the car on the way down to Tennessee and had a dream. She came to me in a dream and she said, Jasmine, I'm not going to be here when you get back. And I remember waking up telling my friends, Danielle and uh, Solomon at the time who were driving. I said, my mom just told me in a dream that she wouldn't be there when I got back. Next morning, I called her nurse and said, hey, I think she got pneumonia, put her in antibiotic. He said, all right, I'll call in one now. Um, she does have some crackles in her lungs. Um, and she is coughing quite a bit. Which I already knew because I listened to her lungs before I left. The nurse and me couldn't even be her child. Got off the phone with him. It wasn't five minutes. He called me back. And it may have been like five minutes. He was like, Jazz, every single oxygen machine in your house is not working. And I th I just feel like that was orchestrated on purpose. Because if I was there, I would have knew how to fix them. Because I'm, I'm a nurse. And I've worked at nursing homes and places where there are low resources. I know how to fix things. And he was like, we're just going to take her to stay inpatient. 
So they called an ambulance to take her over to inpatient hospice, hospice and she, she walked out the door cracking jokes. This was 8 in the morning. By the time I called to check on her at noon, she was unresponsive. She wasn't eating. She wasn't swallowing. Um, Nothing. So they started calling the family up. So probably about maybe 5 that evening, my teacher gave a class. And I saw her standing up there next to him. <laughs> and I'm like, I ran in the room, splashed water on my face. He's just a teaching, and she's just sitting up there next to him, smiling, smiling at him, smiling at me. I ran in the bathroom, splashed my face off, went back and sat down, and she was there the whole class. After class, um, I checked my phone, and I had like 20-something missed calls. And they called me and told me that she took her death about the time that I saw her. She took her last breath about the time that I saw her, which was five, about 5.20, 5.22 p.m. Um, the people at the retreat, I was so thankful for everybody. They showed me so much love. They We gave a mass offering. Everybody paid homage to her. Some magical things happened that I'll never forget. Um, but I'm thankful, and I'll never forget. That's just... There's certain things in your life you never forget, and I'll never forget that. It was just too magical not to forget it. I came home, and we had her cremated, and we had a, a memorial service, which was very unorganized because I didn't know what the hell I was doing because <laughs> I ain't never had a loss like that. But we were able to send her on her way. But so many people love and remember her, and I miss her so much. I just wish she can call me in. Cuss me out and tell me, come get my goddamn kids. <laughs> Just to beg me, ask me, could they stay when I got there? She's the reason why I graduated high school as a teenage mother. She's the reason why I graduated from nursing school both times. Her and my kid's dad, uh, Kareem, who was just in a previous interview, they supported me the whole way. She is the reason why, I mean, everything. She's the reason why I'm here. You know, because she didn't have to have me. My mom was depressed. My father died when she was three months pregnant with me. She could have terminated the pregnancy. She was extremely depressed. And she found the strength to keep pushing while grieving the loss of her husband while pregnant with me. And she loved me no different. And I miss her so much. Well, enough of me rambling on because I'm getting emotional. But that was just my tribute to my mom. Today's her birthday. Usually we would take her food like Red Lobster or something and get her a little cake. We could sing happy birthday to her. She wasn't big on parties. And um, I miss her. And for everybody listening that um, remembers my mom, you know, shoot me a message telling me a memory so I can um, maybe make it in ep another episode and talk about some memories of her that people share with me. Peace.